0: This is the Innovation Civilization Podcast, and my name is Waheed.
1: Think about a palace, as I mentioned, the three continents, they are controlling everything in Istanbul. We have to make budget books very carefully. Then we come to Srema. the Magnificent Time, we see a person named Matraki or Silahi Nasuh Efendi. He uh, invented Niv new calculation system. He put Niv mathematical methods, calculation palace, state accountants, wrote two books for clerks and state council, divan katipleri, and state accountants.
0: Incredible. Yeah. Wow. During this exhibition, we published... In- Today's guest is Dr. Salim Aidus, one of the most distinguished researchers in the very specific field of Ottoman technical and scientific innovations.
1: Takviyiddin was following two different schools, Damascus Astronomy School and Samarkand Astronomy School. He combined two different schools in Istanbul himself, undertook various observations of eclipses of the sun and the moon, developed new methods for observations, stars and planets and other things, substituted the use of decimally based system for six decimal one and prepared trigonometric tables based on the decimal fractions and determined the ecliptic degree, this is very, important 23 degree 28 minute and 40 seconds today is 23 degree 27 minutes it's very close
0: interest of this astronomical research and stuff
1: Usain Tevfik Pasha of Vidin, he was born in 1832. He wrote a book, Linear Algebra, and he was the first scholar in the history of Ottoman scientific tradition to perform such an innovative research on linear algebra and publish a book in his original field. What was the output in terms
0: of research and innovation? So they, they Professor Dr. Salamaitis, welcome to the Innovation Civilization Podcast. What a great pleasure to have you here today.
1: Thank you very much. I'm very grateful you're inviting me to this great program.
0: Let's get started then. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are and what you're doing and what's your interest in Ottoman studies?
1: I have a PhD on history of Ottoman science and technology. I am originally from Canakkale, a city near Dardanelles, or maybe most of the people know Gallipoli from the First World War. And then I studied in Istanbul. I studied in the West of Istanbul. First, history after graduated mm-hmm. history department. I complete my master and PhD studies at history of science department under the supervision of Professor Ekmeleddin Ihsanov. He is one of the well-known professor on history mm-hmm. of science, and he was the general secretary of Islamic Conference for eight years. And now he retired, but I studied with him first at the master studies. I studied history of Ottoman astronomy, astrology, and astronomical institutions. After mm-hmm. Completed my master thesis. I studied history of Ottoman firearms, cannons, and cannon casting and related issues. Both my thesis unique and very original study in history of Ottomans. 2003, I came to the United Kingdom to Manchester to start a project on 1001 inventions and in addition 1001 invention project. After that, in 2006, we started our 1001 inventions project, which is traveling exhibition first in. Manchester after that we went different cities of the UK and 2010 we opened our exhibition in Science Museum in London it was great mm-hmm. successful after London this exhibition went to Istanbul in 2010 August for 8 weeks something like this it was the second most visited exhibition in the world after the pyramids incredible yeah wow. during this exhibition we published 1001 inventions book which is a very well known book on the history of Islamic science and technology mainly mm-hmm contributed Ottoman science and technology for
0: this book. That's brilliant. That's a lot of stuff, yes. I actually came to know your works through that website and some research papers on Google Scholar as well. It's a very niche topic, I have to say. I was looking for people within that. But just for our listeners, I guess, those who don't know who the Ottomans are, it's an empire between 14th century to 20th century, tri-continental, a bit of Asia, a bit of Africa, a bit of modern-day Eastern Europe, and obviously Turkey and Anatolia. Central Asians came from Central Asia all throughout. And then eventually different cities were a capital until they hit Constantinople, which is modern-day Istanbul. When we talk about these civilizations, like Muslim civilizations, and the innovations there, there's a lot of talk on Abbasid innovations, Umayyad-era innovations, and broader Islamic civilization like Baghdad and Damascus and stuff like that. But not much is known or talked about in regards to Ottoman science and innovations. So what do you think is the reason is the reason that there was nothing new there like all of the innovations mostly was done by the Abbasids and Umayyads and maybe the Seljuks a little bit and nothing much for the Ottomans when I was actually looking for content on this I actually couldn't find anything which is why we decided to do this episode because your research is so unique so what do you think is the reason that specifically Ottoman innovation and scientific knowledge is just not out there it's not mostly talked about
1: thank you very much it's a good and very big question Ottomans <laughs> flourished in the mm-hmm. northwest of Anatolia around the 1300 we don't know exactly which year founded mm-hmm. if you go to the official website you will find that 1299 which is not exactly that time but should be 1300 or two in the yeah. third, northwest of Turkey it's a small tribe small principality after that they started mm-hmm. getting bigger and bigger and they get new lands from the Byzantine Empire and other Turkish principalities or states in Anatolia in mm-hmm. four in 1553, as you mentioned, they conquered Istanbul yeah. or Constantinople and converted Constantinople into Mehmed Istanbul. Mehmed II, right? Mehmed II. Yeah. After him, his son Bayezid II and grandson Selim I, in 1517, they reached the Arab world, the Arab land, mm-hmm. and they conquered the Saudi Arabia and Egypt. These yeah. lands became the part of Ottomans. After Selim I, his son, Suleiman the Magnificent, or Suleiman mm-hmm. the Lawgiver, started conquering Newland in Europe until they failed. Right. And they yeah, yeah. seized Yeah, a couple it, of seasons in, in Vienna. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. 1683, yeah. they tried again. Mm. Even the second time, they failed. But still, mm. they continue enlarging their lands over mm. the Europe and the Mediterranean. Yeah. Think about the Mediterranean, yeah. how many different countries now. Usually important. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was an Ottoman lake during the magnificent time. And all North Africa and all Saudi yeah. Arabia, Egypt, and most of the Iran today all Middle East and half of today Russian lands as the part of Ottomans until 1923, as you said, First World War. Uh, We are talking about 600 years and three continents, Asia, Europe, and Africa, which is in the medieval ages or new ages. These lands, the mainly populated lands on the earth, Mm. and lots of people live in that area. So, why they don't mention about Ottomans innovations and Ottoman contribution? Obviously, you are ruling this vast lands, vast population, 600 years. Can you manage ruling these people, these lands without scientific support or without innovation or without any educational support? You can't. Can continue a couple of years, but we are talking about six hundred years. Why? Because there are bias and there are different approach from the Eurocentric historical concept. Let's go together, twenty seventh of okay. October, nineteen ninety three. A lecture delivered by Prince Charles. Now is King Charles, actually, but he was a yeah. prince. Charles, Oxford yeah. University. What he said, just one couple of sentences, he says, if there is a much misunderstanding in the West about the nature of Islam, there is also much ignorance about the depth our own culture and civilization owe to the Islamic world. It is a failure which stems, I think, from the straight jacket of history which we have inherited. The medieval Islamic world from Central Asia to the shores of the Atlantic was a world where scholars and men of learning flourished. Not only men and women, as well, there are uh, women scholars as well. Yeah. But because we have tended to see Islam as an alien culture, society, and system of belief, we have tended to ignore or erase its great relevance to our own history. Mm. It is a great confess from one of the very mm. top persons in the West, in the UK. It mm. also on behalf of all Western civilization. And he says, mm. deliberately, we ignore the Islamic world, and particularly mm. the Ottomans. For example, I have a book in front of me. The title yeah. of the book Scientists and Inventors the people yeah. who made technology from the earliest time to present day. The title of the okay. book you can find anywhere. Sure. Uh, you can buy it just uh, sure. on something like this. It's published I mm. think it's 1970s and uh, it starts BC Inventions mm-hmm. this Book. when you start looking into pages. Page 14 yeah. talks about Archimedes and his uh, contribution to the science yeah. and technology and page 14 and, and 15 through. and the second page is 16, jumping mm-hmm. from Archimedes to Johannes Gutenberg. Until 1468, or let's say his birthday is 1400, there is no innovator or scientist anywhere. It's yeah. not correct because yeah. when you go to the Islamic world, they are in the yeah.
0: golden age. Yeah. Although- there were a lot of innovations happening in China back then. China and the Islamic world were always more successful than the West until 17th century or something, right? So you're saying that this is more like an Orientalist bias erasing a certain part of history. But even in the Muslim spaces or the Islamic authors and stuff like that, that I've read, the Muslim authors, even they like concentrate a lot on, like I said, the Abbasid and Umayyads and maybe the Andalus, like the Muslim rule of Spain and stuff. But a lot less on science and Ottomans. Just forgetting about Western bias on this. What about the Eastern people? Why is there not much research on this?
1: Yeah, you are right. There are lots of studies on Abbasid time scholars and then even in Sicily there are some number of Muslim scholars yeah. like Al-Idrisi. He made a great world map. After that, when yeah. you got Andalusia until 1492, there are great scholars and their contribution because they are very close to the West. They are very well known. And even uh, Ottomans was uh, part of Europe. The half yeah. of uh, European lands was mm. under the control of Ottomans until 19th century. As you said, there is no uh, mentions from the scholars, mm. even the Muslim scholars. They don't mention. But in reality, that are lots of innovations yeah. or contribution or different types of scientific studies. Not whole yeah. 600 years, different yeah. years we can see. At the beginning, until the 1700, we can see many scholars, which most mm. of them polymath scholars, and they are very right, right. good on different sciences, not only one science, like Takutina yeah. Rasit, we will ma- uh, mention later on, if yeah. you ask uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. astronomy yeah. on maths, automatics, and medicine, etc. Yeah. In Ottoman period, inventors mm. and scientists uh, scientists, they can talk all about this yes yeah,
0: yeah, we'll come to Subjects. that. Basically. That's definitely true. How do you go about collecting and researching these works? Were you reading a lot of translations in mm. Ottoman Turkish and then translating them into English and writing? How do you go about collecting some of these stuff? What's your research methodology?
1: First of all, to find out the Ottoman innovations, we have to go to mm. libraries. Yeah. Unfortunately, today, only Sveimani library, which is one of the biggest libraries on earth in terms of manuscripts, mm. there are more right. than 100,000 maybe 150,000 manuscripts, majority of them Ottoman manuscripts. Only 1%, maybe less, studied. We know there are lots yeah. of manuscripts that contain Ottoman contributions and written by Ottoman scholars. So far, by the studies of IRSIKA, Islamic Research Center in Istanbul, and Ekmelit right. Hissanoglu was the director of this institution, we just prepared the catalogs of all Ottoman manuscripts, different topics in for the Astronomy 2 volume and for Medicine 4 volume, only the catalog mm. of the, this academic manuscripts and geography and astrology, different, and also music. Mm. We say uh, in terms of yeah, yeah, music, yeah. you see just one big volume only for Ottoman musicians, but they invented. Mm. Nobody knows, and still these manuscripts waiting there. Beside the manuscripts, different libraries yeah. in Turkey and out of the Turkey, because uh, the Ottomans was ruling many large lands. Turture, we we yeah. can see lots of Ottoman manuscript in Egypt, in Baghdad. In Mecca and Medina yeah. and Russia. If you go to all United Kingdom libraries like uh, John Lyons yeah. Library in Manchester, British Library, and Bodleian Library in yeah. Oxford, and Ireland Chester Betty Library, and the uh, mm. National Bibliotheque in France or Germany, lots of, lots of Ottoman manuscripts still unstudied. This is the, mm. one of the first reasons why we don't know, and not too many scholars studying on Ottoman science. We started in uh, Turkey with the universities. First of all, yeah. I have to say. This, this is a very important issue. Who is the founder of history of science studies in the world? This George Sarton. In America in the 1930s, he founded the history of science department at Harvard University. Do you know who is the, his first PhD student? Professor Aydin Saylor, a Turkish okay. scholar from uh, Ankara mm-hmm. and the founder of the modern Turkish Republic, Gazim Mustafa Kemal Atatürk, sent mm-hmm. him to make PhD with George Sarton. It's very early time and because of the Turkish founders, the Turkish president, they know we have a rich history. And he sent him to make mm. a PhD and he completed as a first PhD student of George Sarton, uh, Professor at mm. Taylor. And his PhD thesis was a history of Islamic observatories, the first time. After him, he came to Ankara and founded the history of science department. After that, mm-hmm. in Istanbul, also we founded the history of science department. And now there mm-hmm. are many history of departments, history of science department in Turkish universities. Yeah. But obviously, studying history mm-hmm. of science and Thinking about the innovations, inventions, mm. it's not easy. You have to study Ottoman Turkish, which is Arabic, it's not easy. Yeah. Because in Turkey, mm. after 1928, it's not allowed yeah. to study Ottoman Turkish. Mm. We just started mm. recently. And uh, beside the libraries, there are more than one or two million documents in Ottoman archives. Mm. Uh, because most of the time, the manuscripts are not sufficient to find out the reality of what happened. For example, if mm. we talk about the Takitun Rasud, and his observatory Mm -hmm. in Istanbul, which is the last great observatory of the Islamic civilization, they Mm -hmm. founded in uh, 1577 and they destroyed Mm -hmm. 1580. And we don't Mm -hmm. know exactly what happened and uh, why they destroyed, what kind of academic studies happened there as well. We need the support of archival documents.
0: Um, There's lots of archives which are still untouched, you're saying, and needs more research. I want to shift gears a little bit, and since we already touched on this a little bit, let's talk more about what were the specific areas of scientific inquiry within the Ottoman Empire in the 600 years. So let's start with astronomy. I know that a lot of kind of astronomy was done during the Abbasids and the Umayyads and the stars and like a lot of the stars I know they're just like Muslim names because of the fact that you know a lot of them were were founded during that period and stuff like that. Tell us more about how do things work in astronomy or the advances that were happening in Ottoman lands when it comes to astronomy.
1: Ottomans were very yeah. successful on astronomy as well. And I also studied this sort of Ottoman astronomy yeah. in my. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, as we said before, Ottomans was the continuation of the previous Islamic and Turkish states, and they are yeah. not just flourished from nothing. And there mm-hmm. is a tradition. Soldiers, Tel- yeah. yeah. Abbas, uh, Emevites, Abbasids, Seljuks, and uh, Anatolian Seljuks, yeah. and then uh, yeah. Ottomans was the small principals and then became the biggest. And uh, mm-hmm. when they established their own state in 1400, let's say, and mm-hmm. in 30 years they open their first uh, madrasa in Bursa, mm-hmm. in İznic near Bursa, in 1331 by Orhan Gazi, the second uh, Ottoman sultan, yeah. and mm-hmm. the first sultan was the Osman, and he is the founder, mm-hmm. and because of the name comes from him. And then immediately yeah. they open a madrasa, and then immediately mm-hmm. they open other madrasas, medical institution Darush Shifas, or Tımarhanas or a similar medical institution as well, because they have examples uh, previous. States, it is very easy for them to set up this kind of institutions. After the conquest of Istanbul, we they need more studies and they founded the Fatih complex Fatih Kulia in Istanbul. During the Murad mm. second time, because Ottomans yeah. they need information about the astronomy and ast- scholars from the other lands started uh, mm-hmm. arriving to Ottoman lands, and particularly yeah. after the conquest of Istanbul, Mohammed or Mohammed II invited yeah, yeah. scholars from all over the world to come to Istanbul because Istanbul was the center of Roman Empire. It was a cultural and uh, scientific center. After the crusades in 1204, Istanbul was destroyed and looted. Everything's Mm. valuable in Istanbul, looted by crusaders. When uh, Muhammad II conquered Istanbul, he found Mm. almost nothing except Hagia Sophia and a couple of churches and Mm. other uh, nice things. I started uh, setting up new institutions and started Mm. inviting the scholars from all over the world, not only from the Islamic world from the West, but from Italy as well. And they invited Ali Kuscu from Samarkand to study mm-hmm. astronomy and mathematics in Ottoman lands. After that, Fetullah Shirvani and other scholars also arrived, and they started a nice, fresh, scientific atmosphere in Istanbul. Yeah. Obviously, when they conquered New Lands, they need some timekeepers. And they found a small building every next to every mosque to calculate mm-hmm. prayer times, to educate these people, these timekeepers or mm. uh, lunatics or astronomers, yeah. they need an institution which is, he says, chief okay. astronomer she founded during the Beyaz time, Beyaz the second time, or they make different time. It is the first time in Islamic civilization an institution mm. founded by Ottomans by Muslims. Before the uh, Ottomans, almost all Muslim scholars, or Muslim ruler has one or two astronomers or astrologers yeah. about to know the future because astrology she mm. told. Also about the future astrology,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah horoscope and stuff, and yeah. Even mm-hmm. they
1: opened some uh, observatories, we say in Islamic civilization, Rasad Han, uh, mixed Arabic and Persian reward uh, yeah. uh, observatory. Uh, Nasritin Tusi during the Hulagu time founded an observatory in Meraga. Mm. In fourteen twenties in Samarkand, mm. uh, Ulube founded an observatory, and then in Istanbul they founded their own observatory. With the mm. influence of Ali Kushu, as I said during the yeah. Muhammad second time, many scholars start coming to Ottoman lands, even scholars from Andalusia, because after mm. 1492 they had to leave the Andalusia, and Ottomans yeah. popularly invited highly educated Jewish scholars to the Ottomans. Some of them mm-hmm. was physicians, some of them astronomers. During the magnificent time, this astronomer ship, chief astronomer institution, founded and they started working. And in this, during Murat's third time, Takutin mm-hmm. Raset arrived to Istanbul. He was born in mm-hmm. 1520 in Barda, in Damascus, actually, yeah. as, a, as a Turkish scholar. He studied in Damascus, Nablus, and then he studied in Egypt, in Cairo, and then came to Istanbul 1570. When the Munecimbaşi, or chief astronomer, Mustafa yeah. bin Ali Al-Muvakkat passed away, he became yeah. ch- chief astronomer. And uh, to calculate astronomical studies, you need a zic. Zic means Almanac or Star Catalog. And uh, right, right, right. uh, Nasruddin Tussu in, in Maragha. Observatory. He prepared his own zic. After that, in Semarkant, Ali Kuchu and uh, Ulube they prepared the Ulube zic, Ulube almanac, which is one of yeah. the best almanac even in Europe until 1700. Most of the astronomers they used this zic. There are some mm. mistakes in this almanac. And Takiyutin said to Sultan Sultan Murat III, O oh my Sultan, to make precise calculation for the astronomy, we need a corrected mm. almanac, a new zic to prepare right. the new it, we need a new observatory. In Istanbul, I want to establish, found an observatory, and Sultan was very pleased. He said to him, Mm. I am very happy in my country, in Ottoman civilization, throughout my grandfathers. This is the first Mm. time happening in my reign, and I will be very happy to support you. And immediately gave him a thousand gold Ottoman Akce, and they started making this observatory top of Tophane, which is the European site of Istanbul. They completed this observatory, and after two, three years, in 1580 hmm. unfortunately because of the political reasons i say yeah. it's not 100 percent we sure what is the reason yeah uh, they destroyed the observatory there was a political challenge between hmm. the statements people support takutin yeah. and the other against him unfortunately yeah. the grand but, but, Vizier,
0: in, uh, yeah in terms of this astronomical research and stuff we you talked about a lot of researchers and scholars are moving in and they establish the chief astronomer's office creating better almanacs what was the output in terms of research and innovation for these astronomy departments and stuff? What were they doing apart from the Almanac?
1: Yeah, they uh, established the observatory. It was two buildings, yeah. and they immediately okay. collected all books from the old Otto empire mm. in terms of maths mm. and astronomy, and they started mm. doing uh, observation. To make mm. a precise observations, you need a nice astronomical instruments. Some of mm. them was the used to b- be previous uh, observatories. Some of them invented by Takutin himself. One of them, yeah, he about invented seven or six new instruments, which is inventing an astronomical instrument. It's not easy. And basically yeah. they use normally the, for the basic things. They use astrolabe. Actually, I have one astrolabe here. Baby, yeah. you know what is this? This is a kind of Islamic laptop or computer. Using this astrolabe, you can calculate many things, but to yeah. get a precise and uh, very correct results, you need new instruments. What is the inst- yeah. uh, instruments he invented? The sextant or in uh, a... Yeah. Arabic, Mushabbaha bin Menatik. And it was used to measure the distance between the stars. And uh, it was invented by Tatyutin Ras. And the uh, interesting thing, if you go to Ibn Battuta Mall in Dubai, I don't know if you visit uh-huh. or not, every corner you will find uh, Islamic inventions, and you will uh-huh. find the replica of this uh, sextant in uh, Dubai, uh, Ibn Battuta Mall. an uh, 8 uh-huh. meter, quite uh, big. And the other one, he in, invented the instrument with court Zawtul Designates the spring and autumn equinoxes because you have to calculate okay. this thing is as well. And he also invented astronomical clock, the first mm. time for the observations. Mm. If you use astronomical clock, the nice one, and you can get better results. And even the Ptolemy uh, or we say yeah. Ptolemyus, he said I failed because I don't have this, this astronomical clocks to make my calculations mm. precise. Besides this, at that time there yeah. was a Tycho Brahe in uh, mm. Denmark. He was doing okay. some astronomical observations as well, which his yeah. astronomical results was very helpful for the Kepler and Copernicus mm-hmm. to set up a modern astronomy. But his mm-hmm. observatory, when we compare his observatory with the Tachyuton-Rasset observatory, Tachyuton-Rasset instruments, more advanced, more superior, and more precise.
0: 16th century, you said? or
1: it, uh, It's 1570s. 70s, okay, yeah. 16th century, yeah, okay. Because the observatory was uh, destroyed in
0: 1580. You're basically, these are quite advanced astronomical instruments instruments at that time yeah, it was anywhere uh, in the world.
1: Exactly. At that time, as I yeah. said, Takutin Racet Observatory was the superior yeah. than Tycho Brahe observatory in Denmark. But uh, yeah. unfortunately, Takutin mm-hmm. Observatory couldn't continue to make to complete his uh, observations because to get a results what you need to complete a yeah. almanac to Zij you need at least thirty two years observations. While one cycle mm-hmm. of the Saturn you have to complete during the cycle wow. of Saturn so and did I
0: before that, yeah,
1: Takuitin was following two yeah. different schools Damascus Astronomy School and Samarkand Astronomy School. He combined okay. two different schools in Istanbul. Also, he undertook various ob- observations of eclipses of the Sun and the Moon, developed new methods for observations mm-hmm. stars and planets and other things. Also, mm-hmm. he substituted uh, the use of the decimal-based system for sexagesimal sexi- one and prepared trigonometric tables based on the decimal fractions. And he determined okay. the ecliptic degree, this is very important. He mm-hmm. determined the ecliptic degree twenty-three degree twenty eight minute and forty seconds. And today mm-hmm. it's twenty three degree twenty seven minutes. It's very close. Ecliptic degree. The declination of the vault. You no know, world is not direct, just little bit. Twenty three degree is you know the, the pulse not goes up, just little bit declining and this is the the degree of this declining ecliptic degree is 23 degrees. There are some other contributions of tachyton as well. But not only himself, The other uh, or chief astronomers, they did some contribution as well. But after the sixteenth century, the mm. European science and technology yeah. in general stopped uh, improving yeah. and spurring. Then Ottomans yeah. they couldn't continue because when yeah. Ottoman sultan allowed to destroy his observatory, after mm. that not too many people wanted to study astronomy.
0: Study astronomy, yeah. right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. And we'll come to the European Renaissance and Enlightenment, and yeah. after that. Let's shift to mathematics. I know that you wrote a lot on Ottoman mathematics and linear algebra. I think you've got some contributors and then some innovators like Hussein Taufik Pasha. I was reading about it when you wrote. Do you want to walk us through what were the unique mathematical contributions for the Ottomans?
1: Yeah, when we come to uh, after the astronomy, as we said, the Takutin is one of the top person in terms of astronomy and Ali Kushi mm. as well. And Ali Kushi made lots of contributions in terms of astronomy plus maths. And he he wrote mm. books, textbooks, and also other books in terms of teaching maths and astronomy yeah. as well. And before him, Kadızade Rumi was the uh, biggest and most important Ottoman scholars in terms of astronomy and maths as well. And uh, he flourished in Bursa, near Istanbul, the first capital of the mm. Ottoman Empire, and then yeah. went to Samarkand to study under the Samarkand Observatory as a uh, head of the observatory with the Bey. And they mm. uh, published this Ulu Bey as well. And after him, when Ali Kuşu arrived in Istanbul, he studied with Muhammad II and then the other Ottoman scholars start publishing works on maths. Math is very important. Mm. And uh, during Muhammad II time we talk about uh, Yusuf Sinan Pasha. He was a yeah. uh, very well-known historian, theologian, mathematician, and astronomer as well. He wrote a uh, work on maths, Risale-fi beyan Mes'alatin Handesiye or Risale-fi okay. Istigrac uh, blah, blah, quite a uh, very long I- name I read, of his yeah. books. And after mm. that, Mirim Celebi, he published, prepared some other. Uh, Books on, on the uh, maths as well. And uh, beside the Muslim scholars during during the Muhammad second time and Beaz time, there was a Jewish mathematician and he wrote a book the name of the book Seferhar Mishpat, Book of Number. Mizrahi learned decimal fractions from the Istanbul mathematicians and was a link between them and the mathematicians of the Western Europe. And he also wrote a book, a commentary on Euclid's mathematics. Obviously, to make a calculation and account a book in Ottoman palace, think about a palace as I mentioned, the three continents they are controlling everything in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. You have to make there. calculations, budget books, and, well, budget books very carefully. When yeah. we come to Srema, the Magnificent Time, we see a person named Matraki or Silahi Nasu Efendi, and right. he uh, invented Niv calculation system and he put new mathematical methods calculation, mm-hmm. the palace accountants, state accountants, and uh, he wrote two books for clerks and state council, the one cat and state mm-hmm. accountants. He's a big scholar, not only maths, and he also wrote other books in terms of history, geography, and astronomy as well. And right, uh, right. I don't want to say the, his, the name of the books quite too many. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Takutin Rast also wrote books on astronomy. And the, mm. the other one, Gelenbevi Ismail Efendi, he was born 1730 and passed away 1790. He was one of the biggest Ottoman mathematicians, and he mm. was also a teacher at the Marine Engineering School. Cool. During that time, a spoiled French engineer came to Istanbul mm. to visit And uh, mm. during the reign of Sultan Abd the I. And mm. he said he was claiming that nobody knows logarithm in Istanbul. The logarithms are new. Not too many know. When they heard what he says, they took him to Gelanbevi Ismail Efendi. And mm. he gave him a booklet about the algorithm and gave him with putting him down. And mm. uh, have a look, you will understand or not uh, the, uh, these problems. And after a couple of days, he came back to visit him and he found a booklet written by Gelambevi Ismail Efendi, in a couple of days. And mm. he's shocked how come an soon Ottoman scholars uh, mm. know the lo- logarithm, even the solve the problems and explains which is, he doesn't know. And mm. after that, he said to interpreter about Gelambevi if that mm. man were in Europe, he would be worth his weight in gold. And very mm. important. But in no. Ottoman time, yeah. the scientific studies were declining and they didn't yeah. understand. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. For these
0: mathematical scholars and stuff, were there any unique contributions to the world in terms of maths, any functions, or we, any yeah, sort of... Yeah, we can talk to uh, yeah. Usain yeah.
1: Tefik Pasha of Vidin, and uh, okay. he was born in 1832. He yeah. wrote a book, Linear Algebra, and okay. he was the first scholar in the sort of Ottoman scientific tradition to perform such an innovative research on linear algebra and publish a book in his original field. It was first published in 18. 18- 1882 and then yeah. again in 1892. First uh, okay. published in the United States and okay. then in 1892 in Istanbul and this book couldn't pass until 1920s. He was the pioneer and innovative book in terms of maths. Not only this, there are too many Ottoman scholars mathematical books they wrote and still in libraries and we don't know if they level. But end of the day, for example if you go to Istanbul, you will find out lots of Ottoman mosques quite big yeah. and very good shape and do you think they make these giant buildings without mats, without advanced yeah. mats? And this kind of thing shows they know mats architecture, geometry, and these kind of
0: things. Yeah, mm. I know the Ottomans were quite advanced about gunpowder adoption and cannon making in the beginning, at least. Do you want to sort of talk us through that? Yeah.
1: As you know, gunpowder invented by Chinese people and mm. after a couple of decades is start changing the world shape and gunpowder empires starting in the world. In a short time, Muslim states started using and improving the gunpowder and related mm. firearms and guns and other things as well. Thomas very quickly adopted these new war machines and they mm. started using this kind of machines, cannons and guns against their something. enemies yeah. very early. Yeah. And as as early as 1389, they used oh, okay. they Incredible. used. Then they started founding their own cannon foundries in Edirne mm. and 1417 in Istanbul. But very Interesting things the first time in history, they founded their own cannon foundries in the place of the war area. Then they found it and they cast the cannons, and after that, uh, they destroyed and they, uh, they go another place. This is mm-hmm. the very first transferable, we can say, foundries invented by Ottomans as well. And in 1417 in Istanbul, Topane Amre, the royal cannon founded by Mehmed II. After him, uh, Suleiman the Magnificent enlarged it and it became the biggest foundry in the world. Every year, they were producing casting more than 2,000 cannons in this factory, which is the mm. first time in the world. This factory founded by Ottomans. The Europeans couldn't do similar things. All cannons was making by royal cannon founders in this foundry. When they founded the cannons, they were transporting these cannons using by ships because the cannon founder was the seaside. Using this, they were delivering these cannons every corner of the world for the Ottoman lands and Ottoman castle as well. And as I mm. mentioned. They also invented number of different and new type of cannons. One of these cannons invented by Ottomans and casted by Ottomans in 1463, casted by Ali Ottoman gun makers, still mm. in Fort Nelson Museum in Portsmouth yeah. in south of.
0: And I think um, the initial cannon maker for Mehmed II was a Hungarian person, right? This that's is a...
1: very interesting. The Urban we say, yeah, a... and uh, when Muhammad II uh, preparing uh, conquest Istanbul, he needs yeah. large cannons and but he yeah. has limited canon makers same time this Hungarian canon maker came to a Byzantine Empire and he mm. offered his service to the king of Byzantine Empire but they cannot afford his payments mm. they said we can pay you just a little bit then he went to uh, Ottoman side and he offered his service to Sultan uh, Mohammed II and uh, mm. Mehmet gave him four times bigger than what you expect then they cast new type of giant cannons and they moved in front of the Istanbul walls yeah. start using and they destroyed some
0: one of the first examples of a big military contract also
1: during the conquest of Istanbul Mohammed Mm. II himself first time start using mortars hitting the unseen targets behind the walls and uh, the first time uh, this is also the mortars inventions of Mohammed II himself after that uh, they start using different type of cannons. and still you see different museums for example uh, still when you go to the uh, Tower of London museum when you enter, you will see the cannon in, at the uh, gate. This is an Ottoman yeah. cannon, casted uh, during the ottoman Magnificent. Not what? only casting methods of cannons, yeah. because Europeans learn how to cast cannons from Europeans, and the yeah. other important things have to use them. This is also mm-hmm. Ottoman inventions. They used different uh, methods to destroy the enemy and were very successful. Ottomans were using quite big cannons in the 16th, 17th centuries. The mm-hmm. war strategies and methods changed. They need small Size of cannons, but Ottomans mm. they couldn't adapt small size cannons. Mm. The European, they start producing casting it. small size and more effective movable cannons, and they destroy the Ottomans. When you Absolutely. go to Paris, if you have a time, try to visit military museum and okay. in the middle of the Paris. When you mm. enter the museum, you will see right and left hand side more than 20 cannons. All mm. these cannons captured by Ottomans, and they are displaying these cannons, only Ottoman cannons, not other cannons. When you mm. enter inside at the museum, there are lots of better cannons, but they yeah. deliberately display the Ottoman canals to show their yeah.
0: priorities. That's quite interesting. Let's shift gears a little bit. Do you want to walk us through or just list down the notable innovations in the rest of the scientific and innovation landscape within Ottomans?
1: One of yeah. the most unique innovations narrated yeah. by Eb with the most famous mm. Ottoman traveler Travelwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his is, book
0: actually.
1: yeah. He has a book, 10 volume and mm. it is a unique book. He mentions yeah. lots of races like Ibn Battuta and he was a great traveler mm. yeah. as well. In his book, he mentions uh, two inventors. First, Lagari Hasan Celebi. In uh, 1633, uh, during the celebration of the Sultan's uh, daughter's uh, birth time, Lagari put uh, seven-winged rocket behind him and propelled 50 okka or 163 kilograms of gunpowder and, and uh, ignited. Before he ascended sky, he came in front of the Sultan, Sultan Murad IV, uh, because mm. of his uh, daughter's celebrations. And he said, oh, my Sultan, I am going to talk to Jesus. Do you want <laughs> to say anything to him? He said, say my salam. He went up about 250 uh, meters, and then using the using the parachute, he uh, jumped into the sea. This invention is the first manned rocket in history, first experience happened in Istanbul in 1633. And the mm-hmm. other things just before him, another Ottoman scholar, mm-hmm. Zarfan Ahmed Celebi, maybe you heard, using eagle feathers, he yeah. uh, flew from Galata. The tower from the European side to the Anadobian yeah. side about four kilometers yeah. which is the yeah. first first time actually the first one of Ibn Firnaz in Syria yeah, yeah,
0: he, was, he, yeah, he wasn't yeah.
1: successful yeah. but the friend Hussein Chelebi was very successful and he landed quietly and the Sultan rewarded him as well but he said this man is very dangerous for me because he can fly over my palace and he can yeah. cause some uh, problems and then he sent him exile to Algeria as well also we can talk about ottoman innovation for example sinan uh, the yeah. architect he is one yeah. of the biggest architect on history and mm. uh, he was born in 8- 1489 and passed away 1588, mm. which is 99 years old. During his lifetime, he a famous architect and mm. he mm. made about 400 buildings, bridges, mosques, and mm. madrasas, etc. One of them is the most famous mosque, Selimia Mosque, in Edir- Edirne, not yeah. Istanbul, in Istanbul, Sremania. It was also mm. an amazing one. And Selimia Mosque, the minarets, if you see, they are very thin, tallest minarets mm. in Turkey, earthquake defying minaret in the whole of Turkey and Edirne is one of the earthquake uh, zone very strong earthquakes happen but minaret still there there's three balconies each balcony you go different door and different stairs like a Mm. sickle Mm. it is also his invention he also invented in Sremania Mosque interesting Mm. thing when you go to mosque today in Istanbul you will see top of the candles and also the other things uh, lamps as well they are all causing the uh, smoke there are more than 10,000 people inside, and it's pollution caused the pollution, and all mm. these smokes goes to the top of the mosque and destroyed. He invented a way to collect all these suits in one place. At the top of the main entrance, there are mm. four windows. All this smoke goes through these four windows into a room. Mm. They collect them and make them the high quality ink for writing the book. And the other Ottoman inventor we can talk about now, yeah. Piri Reis, maybe you heard mm. about it. He was yeah. an Ottoman oh, yeah, geographer. Yeah, yeah. He made the first world map in 1517 and 1528 for Sultan Selim I and Sultan Suleiman the Magnificent. Mm. This part of his map, unfortunately, we have only one part of this big map and this shows east of South America and the mm. west coast of Africa and some part of Europe. We realized some parts of the world invented 100 years or discovered 300 years after this map and we don't know how period is prepared this map. He used Magellan and Columbus uh, maps as well, but he put some things, they don't have some details, some islands, some corners of the world, particularly the South Antarctica, and he put very detailed and very good information. He also wrote the first book on navigation. Uh, The name of the book is Bahria. Mm. This is also
0: one of the most important
1: navigation. It's a Portland-type book, and when you see the book, you will see every details of the Mediterranean and India ocean, which is very mm. important for traders I mean, and ship people as well. We can talk too many things about Ottoman contribution. For example, when you yeah. go to Ottoman, Bimaristan, the hospitals, okay. they are all free and actually when you say free, today people not understand today also free <laughs> in the UK in okay. many places.
0: Yeah. But in That's the medieval true. age, Perfect. at
1: that time, yeah. there is no concept of hospital and when the patients go to hospital, if they need, they can stay free a couple of days until they heal and they get mm-hmm. medications free. When the Magnificent made his complex. Raman is unique in the world, Most yeah. in the center and the madrasas around him and the mm-hmm. social complexes, social buildings like social kitchen, mm-hmm. hospital, primary school, etc., library, yeah. they are around the uh, mosque. Yeah. One of the most important things, innovations, first time in 1555, he founded medical madrasa part of this uh, complex. Next to him, there's a hospital, which students in the morning, they can get a practical, Education in the medical madrasa, mm. and afternoon for practice they go to Darushifa hospital, mm. which is the first time in history this happened in Sremanja, Mosque. Mm. and also in Istanbul, and also particularly in Edirne. As the second Darushifa hospital, yeah. we see they healing the mad people using music, different kind of music and a water voice. Which yeah, if you go to Europe in the medieval age, they were killing the mad people or mental illness people because they say uh, there's an evil Mm. inside uh, or even burning um, unfortunately
0: just on that medical madrasa or place of learning as well as the hospital are you saying that before that there was no concept of a hospital like what was so innovative about it basically
1: the concept of the hospital came from Islamic civilization of course in Abbasid first time they started uh, making hospitals before Islam in Iran city they used to have a hospital as a modern concept the first time Muslim starting set up uh, a hospital. Even move. even the Professor time yeah. there was a yeah. not movable hospital. They can uh, yeah. transport yeah. transport the hospital, military yeah. hospital, and wherever the army goes. And then yeah. they set up the proper hospitals in Cairo, in Damascus, and other the Ottomans they set up the specific buildings, which is the most of the European hospitals, took Ottoman hospitals as a sample because mm. the patients has their own rooms operation rooms, the drug rooms, and also these musical instruments as well. They're all different rooms and places. And the doctors, as I mentioned, working free for the patients.
0: That's actually quite interesting.
1: If you go to Istanbul, still these hospital buildings, some of them people use as a hospital. For example, in Üsküdar, uh, Migraman Sultan Hospital.
0: Yeah, I think there's this interesting theme about early hospitals are often associated with religious institutions and charity. I think even in the West, like the Red Cross stuff like that you know very christian missionary sort of hospitals yeah. as well
1: before the ottomans yeah. as well all yeah. these institutions scientific mm. institution medical institution astronomical institutions mm. or libraries or medrases supported by vakuf charities they don't need any income or budget problems
0: like trust or something in, in the yeah. uk that's quite interesting yeah i can see that romans also had a concept of some sort of hospitals they used to call it value to to care for soldiers mainly like you said but i think it was the Middle Ages, like the Islamic civilizations, which created the concept of the specialized hospitals, right? For systematic training of physicians and and medical schools, and obviously where the kind of enlightenment, the specialization became much, much more in like 18, 19, and 20th century. Thanks for the very comprehensive idea about the different Ottoman innovations that were there. You're a professor of a history of science, you know, that's your specialization. One of the key things that happened in around the 17th, 18th century, when it comes to science is the industrial revolution that started in Britain, moved towards France and all around Europe as well. It seems like the Ottomans completely missed out on this very important scientific revolution, the industrial revolution. What do you think were the reasons that the Ottomans couldn't take advantage of this sort of thing? Because they were the first to adopt a lot of new practices before, right? Like you said, the hospital system, the astronomy, even the gunpowder stuff like the the Mughals and the Ottomans in the first Islamic gunpowder empires, right? What is the reason that they completely missed out on industrial revolution? Basically?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. As I mentioned at the beginning, Ottomans was part of the Europe. Half of the Europe was yeah. Ottoman lands. And just next to uh, Ottomans, a scientific revolution happening just before yeah. that renaissance happening. Even they aware was going on in Europe, they follow was going on in their writing books and they follow. But unfortunately they couldn't continue improving their scientific studies and technological yeah. inventions in their own lands. Mm. Yeah. Mehmet II himself even invented yeah. uh, great right. giant cannons, and then uh, yeah. they destroyed like Constantinople walls, which yeah. is one invented by himself. Still mm. in in London, in not it was in London. Tower of Museum but now moved to Fort Nelson Museum in Southampton and' mm. it's in the middle of the uh, cannon there's a, a scri and you can scri or unscreve when you mm. want to use the cannon to mm. carry long distance and uh, yeah. even uh, mortars and different types of cannon uh, invented mm. by Ottomans mm. Europeans learned how to make cannons and other things from the Ottomans but when the, we came to 17th century after 1600 yeah. mm. Ottomans even they see what's going on in Europe they couldn't follow when they start losing the wars against the Europeans they mm. immediately started thinking improve their army and mm. they concentrated only army not the mm. scientific okay. things they were selective and very practical they follow what they need for example in terms of astronomy they need precise calculations for astronomy and they mm. immediately start translating almanacs from the European languages into Turkish language and in mm. terms of geography they need geographical books and they also started translating this kind of books as well. They couldn't see the military success. There is a science behind it. Mm. And they starting just transferring the present technology, military mm. technology or other things in medicine, in geography, but they didn't think to transfer yeah. whole science. Why? Because they concentrated on the wars because after the 1699, the decline has started and the yeah. most important things for them, the army and the military things and when they concentrate on these things, mm. they miss. And the other mm. things, Lance yeah. is quite large. From the west, Europeans attacking, and from yeah. the north, Russians mm. attacking, and from yeah. the east, Iranians, and from the mm. south, Arabs, yeah. and they yeah. couldn't deal with them in same time, and they, uh, because they yeah. should busy with military yeah. success and they concentrated on the military and we yeah. see lots of military books or military experts, they start importing from Europe and when they start opening military schools in Istanbul, mm. most of the teachers were coming from France and England because mm-hmm. they know, yes, our Europe has something superior. We have to mm. import this kind of
0: things. Is this the tulip age that you talk about, right? During the yeah.
1: tulip age, I particularly studied at this age. Yeah. Which uh, is
0: one, upper so 17th century or something, right? Like.
1: 1718 till 1730, Sultan Ahmed III time the Grand Vizier Ibrahim, uh, okay. Nefsheh Ibrahim Pasha time. And they realized there is something in the West and they found a, a translation team and they started mm. translating books from Europe and from uh, East as well mm. to improve Ottoman science and technology. But in mm-hmm. 1730, it failed because of the military coup and they killed mm. the uh, Grand Vizier and they changed yeah. the Sultan and Niamh Sultan oh. couldn't continue, couldn't concentrate. Yeah. After that, oh. Another Sultan, Mustafa III, he saw the success of European countries and he sent an envoy to Poland king to mm. send him three astrologers, three strong astrologers, because mm. he thinks the Menet astrologers yeah. will help him to improve the quality of the Ottoman state or stop the decline. And the Poland that was laid the king said to him, "You need a full treasury, and you uh-huh. need good scholars. And yeah. you always follow your own history. You should know the history. And they are my three astrologers. This is it. Shows the concept of what they are thinking. Instead of follow the modernization yeah. in terms of science and technology, they are yeah. after different things. Unfortunately, the sultans yeah. not good and political Ooh. issues was the, ahead of the science and technology. And of yeah. 1850s, they start building." building. building up palaces Mm. and they spent lots of millions of millions of Mm-hmm. for uh, yeah. making yeah. Uh, palaces, uh, and and mansions. Yeah, like yeah. and yeah. Bache, for example, they spent
0: yeah. European, Italian Rococo style. Yeah. Yeah.
1: seventeen-ton gold only for decoration, and yeah. they borrowed of the money from European see, countries. I see,
0: I see, I see. They basically squandered a lot of the wealth on these, you know, surplus initiatives, but as well as too much military spending.
1: I want to say other reason as well. Yeah. After the 1492, when the Europeans discovered. Nevols, America, mm. and India as well, yeah, and yep. they started importing lots of goods, gold, mm. silvers, and free labors, yeah. They start getting rich and rich and rich, yeah. and rich. But when you compare the Ottomans, they have no yeah. chance like this. Even Ottomans, when they use slaves as a labor, mm. they pay mm. for them. Can you imagine? Mm. And they are not using opportunity. Oh, you are a slave. You have to work free. I'll mm. provide you only food. That's it. But they pay mm. as well. They didn't yeah. want to steal other nations' gold, silver, and other things. And they never use any africans as a free labor and mm-hmm. this is also when you compare yeah when you put in front of you there's yeah. a competition yeah. but not the right way
0: yeah yeah yeah. the slave thing was quite interesting because i was actually reading evliya chalavi when i was in istanbul according to him there were like thirty thousand slaves who were working to build the Suleimania complex in chains as well so that was a quite an interesting thing that he writes about i didn't know that but it was just it was just quite interesting as a side yeah. point you are right in terms of the decline that's there that a lot of the Ottoman starting point in conquest of like Eastern Roman lands was that it's a better operating system. It's a better operating system when the Ottomans come and and take over. It's usually the land becomes and city becomes more prosperous, more trade goes through, your administration is better. But it just seems like, you know, 17, 18, 19th century, it just capitulated a lot of corruption, not much industrial revolution going on, politically messed up situations. Do you think that the ban on the printing press, and this is huge, right? I don't know what's the truth about this a lot of people say a lot of things about this but i think and correct me if i'm wrong but for a long time the actual printing of books was banned in the ottoman empire for like a good couple of hundred years so there were like more printing presses in like hawaii than there was in like the cities like damascus and constantinople do you think that was one of the reasons why the general level of knowledge and dissemination of knowledge was kind of less what's your take on that
1: yeah if you go to turkey most of the people blame ottoman Ottomans' uh, banning of the printing books. And they say right. because of banning of the books, Ottomans' uh, decline happened. They couldn't follow the European right. scientific improvements. Actually, this is not correct. When you go to earlier centuries, the Muslim world has producing the books and papers as well. For right. example, when you go to Andalusia, only Hakem II, the Khalif Hakem II, as a right. library contains 400,000 books. Only yeah. one library. When you go to Baghdad, Egypt, Istanbul, lots of mm-hmm. libraries. Contain millions of books. And when mm. you, same time, when you go to Europe, the churches as libraries and mm. only 10, 20 books maximum. Mm. No more than this. Even these books' chain on the walls nobody should steal. Even in Manchester still I got a Chatham yeah. Library, uh, This chain mm. books I can see. It shows uh, the paper industry and book writing and book uh, distribution uh, industry is not very common and mm. not too many book writers or copiers mm. exist in Europe. But when we come to Islamic civilization every corner of the Islamic civilization there are very active education systems, scholars mm. and Medresses and even private medresses or private mansions and educational activities continue. And people need books. And to get a book, what is the practical way? One says make a copy of the books in a couple of days because they are very practical. Arabic is very easy from right to left and the most uh, most easiest language to write. European language is not easy and there is no this kind of atmosphere, schools, scholars, Mm. and active environment to produce books and things. When we come yeah. Istanbul, For example, only in Istanbul there are more than 10,000 book copies. Mm. They are making books very easy way and very high quality. Printed books are not very good quality and not mm. a big demand, and there is no paper factories as well. Anyone need any book? Ask the booksellers or anyone. Yeah. The book is available. If the book is available for people who need, what is the yeah. point printing or not? When we come to 1729, during mm. the Truly, period, they yeah. established the first printing house in Istanbul, and they mm. started printing. But there's The Mutafur
0: Press, right?
1: Yeah, when they print, not too yeah. many people interested, because printed book is not very good quality and expensive, <laughs> and the other hand-copy manuscripts are cheaper and more, more nicer. Even a couple mm. of decades, they stopped printing books, and they started again. Obviously, printing is uh, more practical, more important, mm. but in Ottoman people, not too yeah. many people uh, writing and reading. And mm. people who are educated, they already uh, get the books easy way. Uh, therefore, it's quite cannot,
0: and available.
1: We cannot say banning this ban is not important. And Ottomans, by the way, uh, when the 1480s, yeah, uh, the Gutenberg invented this printing machine yeah. and it mm. became very common in Europe. For a couple of decades, it was in Istanbul. All mm. non-Muslims, Jewish and uh, Armenians or Christians, they were using printing machines to print their own books and therefore, printing. Mm is a norm but when Mm. they see the quality they don't follow what they are doing then for uh, 1729 they start
0: uh, printing books yeah to me the ban was more an interesting thing in terms of mentality more than anything towards innovation of doing things basically and this is we're having a lot of these debates with AI right now will AI take over our jobs you're probably using powerpoints right to teach students in the 50s 1950s and 60s you know there used to be powerpoint slides but they used to call it like slide makers. They would actually write the slides and put huge landscape kind of slides. It was a whole industry. It was like a job, the industry of image makers or something like that, they used to be called in the US. And obviously, once PowerPoint came about, no one employed those people. who used to write, you know, using the hand, to create slides and put one slide over the other and stuff. We just use PowerPoint, right? To me, it's quite interesting that these technologies, once they start, yes, they're expensive at the beginning, but eventually the unit cost goes down. You can print much more books in, in smaller of times for me more than anything else it was just a mentality that was quite interesting that why would they sort of ban an innovation technique to disseminate more books but yeah that was just an interesting thought experimentally
1: yeah when we look this banning also using uh, machines yeah. in general ottomans open for all in inventions and they are not closed they easily there. accept everything but in mm-hmm. some point in mm-hmm. some period uh, yeah. they were very against these things mm-hmm. as i mentioned that uh, they destroyed yeah. their own observations uh, observatory. They were very yeah. happy. Sometimes yeah. also this Hazarfan and lagari experience yeah. Quite very important, mm. very good. They were not interested. They couldn't mm-hmm. see the benefits of uh, this flying machine and also mm. the manned rocket. They start using it very late. And uh, the adaptation of the European science and technology in Ottoman lands is yeah. going up and down. <laughs> As and, I yeah. uh, mentioned, yeah, not always yeah. uh, open. And it depends on the mentality of the scholars and yeah. the
0: scientists and statesmen. keep changing. That's quite interesting. We're coming towards the end now. One of my last questions that I was thinking about was that for our listeners, who's an Ottoman author on this topic basically that you would recommend to read from history just to know about Ottoman science innovation?
1: Ottoman science and innovation. Yeah, mainly we can read Aydin that He is the starter and the main scholar. But it is not easy to find his books. And most common books and articles, you can find that Professor Ekmeledini Sanoğlu, is my supervisor. Okay. Or in my...
0: in scholars, you would recommend reading Ottoman scientists from before or innovators from before. They would recommend people learn about.
1: We can read Katib Celebi. He used to live in 1650s, one of the most prolific and polymath. A scholar. He published very important books. He was aware of the West and East as well. And he realized what's going on in the West. And he was criticizing Ottoman scholars and Ottoman mm-hmm. system and Ottoman statements about the new sciences and technology in the West as well. Quite early but he knows. Mm-hmm. And during the Chuli period, Mehmed Celebi is one of okay. the ambassadors of Ottomans to France. And his writings and his memory is also very important. These kind of scholars we can talk. And Salih Ziki he is the okay. first historian of science of Ottomans, mm. published lots of books on Ottoman history of science and technology quite mm. a large answer as well, and we mm. can read. And also Swayman Sudi Efendi, he wrote the first book on history of astronomy, and I published actually this book in Turkish language, and this mm. is also important, you can read and yeah, this kind of books yeah. you can talk about.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Well, with that we'll wrap up the episode. Thank you very much, Dr. Salim, for joining us, and and all the best with your future research and hopefully hope to have you again.
1: Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thanks a lot. Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening to the Innovation Civilization podcast. If you love the podcast, please subscribe on all major platforms, as well as please share it with your friends and family. Thank you very much for listening and see you soon for the next episode.